We here are all such innovative people. So I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And we are doing this. This is the podcast known as What's the Good Word? It is the podcast about Georgia Tech athletics by Georgia Tech alum and fans for Georgia Tech alum and fans. My name is Steven. I am the alum. His name is Joshua. He is the fan. Joshua, what's the good word? To hell with Georgia. Steven, I'm going to ask you, who are your two favorite teams in college athletics? Uh, Georgia Tech and whoever the hell is playing Georgia. Absolutely. Uh, Welcome to the show. If you are a first-time listener to the show, thank you for being here. We hope you got invited by a Georgia Tech alum and fans, one of the dozens at this point in time of fans that we have listening to this lovely podcast. We hope it becomes more than dozens. Uh, Like one of our favorite wrestlers, The Rock, used to say, we hope it becomes the millions. And millions. But we're not there yet. But we'll get there. But anyway, we're, we're glad you're levels. here. We're at mankind levels. We'll get to we the rock man- at some point. Exactly. Uh, neither of whom went to Georgia Tech, but I did mention the rock because we did play Miami this last week. We'll get to that Good in a segue. second. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, what this show is, for those of you that just walked in on it, uh, as I said, it's about Georgia Tech athletics. Normally, we do two parts of the show. We do the news in the front end, and then we kind of dive deep into another subject, uh, possibly do an interview with someone in the second half of the show. Uh, today is wall-to-wall news uh, with some opinion sprinkled in. We are not going to do anything in depth because there is a lot of sporting news to get to. So we will have opinions about those sports and we will get to them. Uh, So we're just going to kind of go through the news. Joshua, I believe before you get to our first sports story, you wanted to say something outside of Georgia tech athletics real quick. Yes. Um, So, you know, we, we talk about sports on this podcast and there's a lot of other areas in in life that we talk about sports, but sometimes sports becomes bigger than sports. It's unfortunately bleeds over into real life and real life situations happen. And we just wanted to send our thoughts, our prayers, our condolences and anything else that you can name um, to all the people affected by the tragedy that happened at um, the University of Virginia campus uh, today, specifically to the families of the student athletes that were affected, Devin Chandler, uh, Lavelle Davis Jr., and Deshaun Perry. Um, our thoughts, our prayers are with you guys. I was so sorry that that had to happen, such a senseless act. And, uh, you know, rivals on the field, you, you play UVA every year, but this is one of those times you have to step back and, you know, ignore anything and everything that might have happened on the field and just, pray and and sit in, in silence and thought the last thing the georgia tech athletic department wanted to do today was to send out the tweet that they did uh offering condolences and prayers uh to the to the um athletes and to the uva family uh we are recording this on uh monday the 14th very little is known uh other than the identity of the victims uh, we are not going to use our platform to make political comments We are not going to talk about legislation. We're not going to talk about uh, constitutional rights. That is for other podcasts to do. That is for other people to do. We have those opinions, but we don't think you guys care what they are because we're here to talk about athletics. So we take a moment when real life uh, comes crashing into our sports world. 
Uh, we've done that. We'll be as respectful as we can. And uh, uh, to uh, Wahoo Nation, uh, you guys be strong and uh, come out of this stronger together uh, as as student athletes, students, professors, and uh, alum and fans and all that stuff. So uh, there was a football game that did happen this last weekend. Uh, Georgia Tech did host Miami for Senior Day, and I am going to give the fan uh, slash sports media guy, Joshua, the uh, unfortunate task of giving a recap of a really bad game for our team. Yeah, that's the best way to put it was uh, not good. Uh, University of Miami, both teams came in at four and five playing at Georgia Tech. It was senior night, last home game of the year. Tech finishes up uh, the season with their next two games on the road. Miami took it 35 to 14. Um, that score, unfortunately, doesn't tell a, the whole story um, is the best way I can put it, because realistically, Georgia Tech's defense played phenomenal uh, going into the fourth quarter. It was only 14 to seven. You know, my Miami and even at that point, Miami had gotten um, one of their or yeah, Miami had been had been playing relatively well, but they hadn't scored since 926 of the second quarter. And Tech had gone into the halftime with a touchdown from Zach Pyron to Nate McCollum. So it was at least a game. Uh, third quarter, not much happened. And then Miami just kind of kind of came for it and played really, really, really well. They put up uh, 21 unanswered points, uh, different few different ways, pass, run, and then a. 99-yard pick six at the goal line with 236 left. Uh, Tech did score a consolation touchdown with 36 seconds left in the game. Uh, true freshman Jamie Felix actually got in for his first uh, first carry, got a touchdown, so decent little story there. Um, unfortunately, not even the biggest story is Tech's loss, the biggest story of the game. Zach Pyron ended up with a broken clavicle in the game. He had to come out. Uh, he finished the game. Let me pull the boxer up. 12 for 22 for 114 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Zach Gibson came into the game in relief and put up basically the exact same stat line, uh, one less attempt, um, six more yards, same amount of touchdowns, same amount of interceptions. Um, not a great showing all around for Georgia Tech. Um, Pyron did have a good game on the ground. He had 66 yards on eight carries. Nate McCollum continues to have a great season, eight catches for 101 yards. And uh, the linebacker duo come 12 tackles for Ely, 11 for Thomas, but just all around not a good game. Um, interesting little subplot that came out of the game. Jeff Sims was available to come in in an emergency situation, but when Pyron went down, he was not put in the game. And when asked after the game, Coach Key said that at that time he was not available, which is an interesting statement to say about a guy who was deemed available. A uh, whole lot of rumors flying around. No one really knows what's going on. Uh, um, you know, we're not. I'm not going to here to tell you that. You know, he refused to go in the game or he was being a baby. Um, if he didn't think he was ready to play, he didn't think he was ready to play. Uh, I do think that the chances are good he transfers now. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, Why? Why? Well, so part of it is when you bring in a new head coach. Um, it's not going to. First of all, Jeff isn't going to be that guy's guy. So there's that. Um, and I talked about this, um, I think two shows ago where we talked about what needs to change as much as I like Jeff Sims, the person and what I like the player he could become. I just think Jeff has that, that kind of label on him. You know, he's got that sign nailed above his head every time he takes the, the field that he was supposed to be the guy and he just never became the guy. And I really think it'd be better for him with his two years of eligibility remaining to transfer out and kind of play that somewhere else where he doesn't have that stigma attached to him. 
So uh, the uh, it, by the way, you could have saved all the listeners two minutes, although that was a very good recap. But your first sentence was it. It was not good. Um, the defense did play. The defense did what the defense does well, which is really hold the other team's offense down for the most part of the game. Miami came out and marched down the field to start the game. And I went, uh oh. Uh, and Miami did do more offensively than other offenses did did against us, and we did not turn them over. That was one of the big things the defense didn't do. Now, we are who we are, and, and I think the defense is not the cause of our loss of this game. Uh, it was interesting, our offense, the, the Zach Pyron touchdown to Nate McCollum, was an absolute thing of beauty. It was a beautiful throw. That was the best drive by far of the game. Um, we struggled a, a lot on offense. Big shocker there. The blocking was subpar. We didn't run the ball, and we've yeah. got to run the ball to be successful. I think we came out in the third quarter, and we started to kind of drive. And 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 one of the things that has been the best part of our team this year was our turnover differential because the defense turned people over and our offense wasn't really giving it away. Well, we yeah, have said on this, we have said on this podcast that, hey, some of those offense, some of the times our offense got lucky. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we didn't get lucky this time because we threw four picks. And and Zach Gibson, you and I were really rooting for him to get on the field and see what he could do. He's had his time. I I I have nothing bad about to uh, I'm sure the guy is a fine young man. I hope he becomes a, a fine adult. He does not need to be playing quarterback on an ACC football field because well, I don't even want to say he can't be playing on an ACC football field because especially half the time when he's been thrown in, it's as an injury replacement. He wasn't necessarily expecting to play. And not to mention Georgia Tech, we've covered this extensively. So is everybody else connected to the team. Their offensive line is subpar to say the least. So uh, Zach Gibson's just not. He in. holds the ball too long, and when That's you're the true. backup, and and when you started at another school and played two years, and you come on, you you got to know the system well enough. And this whole offense is built on getting rid of it quick. He holds the ball too long. He looks like sorry. He looks like Matt Ryan at his worst back there. He's just yeah. holding the ball too long, and and it's not. Too many of his sacks are not because they're not blocking. Too many of his sacks now that I've seen enough of them, it's that he just he's not getting out of the pocket or he's not making quick decisions. Gotcha. So I'm sorry, yeah. and we need to be done with it. Now you said something interesting. I do find it interesting. We haven't seen the Clemson guy whose name I can't pronounce. Phenom Pan or Tyson, whatever. Tyson Fomishan, um, according yeah. to Bryce Kuhn, um, the beat writer for 24/7 Sports. Uh, we can't expect to see him at some point in the next two games um, because Sims is probably not playing and uh, Pyron is out for the year. So Gibson might be the starter at this point. I feel like if you're asking me, we know what we have in Gibson. You know what Gibson is. Gibson's a known commodity. We have no idea what Fomishan is. He's got like 20 pass attempts in his career. Might as well throw him back there. He mentioned specifically that Fomishan might get in there in a wildcat setting. So sure. maybe we start running an option attack. <laughs> All the tech fans just ran screaming. Well, I listen, I, okay. Yeah, I'm not going to go down that road and go too far. Here's the reality of the Georgia Tech football team. 
you've got two games you are going to be massive underdogs for. If you think the uh, the line for the North Carolina game is bad, wait till next week when we play the team I don't want to mention, uh, except to say to hell with them. Uh, it's going to be – it's a chance to be really, really bad. However, after saying all that, I don't care what happens in the next two weeks. Yes, I wanted this game. This game and the UVA game, I wish – we could have won. I really thought we could have won. We really should have won. But this team will go, whatever happens the next two weeks, they won one more game than Jeff Collins ever won in a season. So Ricky in in like half the games in a season won as many as Collins did. And he, and he, any had, other some, he had some season. good games in there. So and, and he, up to this point, he hasn't really lost the locker room. He may have lost Jeff Sims. I don't know. Jeff might, they just might be shutting him down for his injury, but some weird things were said and, and we're not going to speculate. It, it might be, it, yeah, we're not going to speculate. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It, who knows? We don't, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. It might be the injury. It might be that they just are like, you know, I know you can't make it worse, but why work on, you know, let's and just. Some of it might be, he's kind of taking his own future of like, we're not really playing for much here. Why should I risk my own injury when sure. I have more years left to play? You know, I guess the only thing to wrap this segment up coming in, playing two top 15 teams, um, potential national title contenders on for both of them. The only thing I'll say is to quote the great philosopher, Kevin Millar, why not us? Right. Why not us? And and the other quote of I'll use of Johnny Damon is, you know, they just go be a bunch of idiots and see what happens. So here come the idiots. But we're not idiots. But anyway. Uh, so that's football. Uh, let's, let's, it was not good. Sorry. It took us 10 minutes to get through that. Uh, uh, moving on. Uh, I wanted to do a quick review cause I have to, uh, we'll get to some good news. There is some good news to report, but I I've got a re- report for the first time. I feel like all season, uh, I have to report only bad news about the, uh, unfortunately about the women's volleyball team. Uh, so they had uh, their senior night uh, this last Friday, and we had talked about it. We had hyped it up on the show that it was their opportunity to go up against uh, number five ranked Louisville, the top ranked ACC women's volleyball team. They had them at home at O'Keefe, uh, and they had a wonderful sellout again, and everything was looking great. The uh, women's team went up two games to to none in the set or in the match and what they got to do last week to Florida state, unfortunately got done to them by Louisville. They lost three straight and ended up losing the match three, three games to two. Uh, I do not want to go into any details about it, except uh, to say a huge shout out to the seniors uh, on that team uh, and their senior night. Uh, and also to say that their season is not over. As disappointing as that loss was uh, to Louisville, uh, they will be playing this this week against uh, away at Clemson, uh, and then they have uh, the following week they will wrap up the season uh, with an away game at Pitt and then against Florida State at home uh, to finish out the season over the next couple of weeks, uh, the regular season. Then they go to ACC tournament uh, and to uh, the NCAA tournament. So. We will continue to talk about women's volleyball until their season is over. I hate to give that unfortunate news. Uh, so we'll quickly move on and go to the next story. Well, 
it's not going to it's going to get bright here soon i promise you guys but one more piece of bad news um i'm the recruiting guy so when i start talking about recruiting i'm going to throw a lot of information at y'all here in the next five ten minutes so just just buckle up and come with me whole lot better get done with recruiting inside of 10 minutes dude i'm gonna do my thing watch this uh so tech did lose a recruit uh early a little bit late last week after our podcast went up um the guy we've been talking about a few times uh javin simpkins the top top ranked recruit in the class uh running back out of miami florida uh he decommitted for a few different reasons according to uh, my source which is as always bryce coon uh part of it comes down to the fact that mike daniels left uh he was the guy that was recruiting him really hard so after mike daniels left it was almost kind of a matter of time um, the other thing is after Jeff Collins was fired, uh, Brent key and the new staff apparently hadn't really contacted him a lot, um, according to Bryce. So there was, it, it, it seemed like it was a bit of a ticking time bomb, not to mention he picked up an offer from Michigan state. So he's got some other big name pro- programs, uh, sniffing around and the other big one right now is UCF, uh, would be kind of relatively close to home. So that makes sense. So, uh, you hate to see him go. He was the top ranked recruit, but now he, I will say he decommitted. He can recommit when yeah. they announce the new coach. Absolutely. Yeah, he, okay. he's open to commit. It's not like he's taken away forever. Um, it's just, you know, he's he's opened his recruiting. And since he's a top 500 prospect, there'll definitely be some other offers out there. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, a uh, couple hours ago, Stephen said we recorded this, recording this on Monday the 14th. About an hour and a half ago, Georgia Tech did pick up another recruit, Bryce Dobson, out of Brookwood High School in Snellville, Georgia. He committed to Georgia Tech uh, in the 24-7 composite. He doesn't have a star or a ranking. 24-7 has him as a three-star. Uh, he's 6'2", 180, but he's a multi-sport athlete. He actually uh, competitively swims and does track and field. So he he does his thing. Um, he's a, apparently a really good runner, specifically uh, in 11th grade. He was second in the GHSA uh, state meet in the 300-meter hurdles. He has a personal best of 21.84 seconds in the 200-meter dash. So the, the kid's got some speed on him. He doesn't have a lot of Power 5 offers right now, uh, just Stetson, uh, or not Power 5, Division one offers army Georgia state and Stetson all have offers on them. So tech was kind of the biggest name there, but he did commit stay close to home. And you ask me, it could be a sneaky good pickup. If the kid dedicates himself specifically to football, um, switching sports. I know I'm almost done. Whoa. whoa. We want to hold, we want to save that for when we talk other sports. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Do it now. Sorry. My bad, coach. Um, so this is, this is, this is all recording. This is all recruiting. So Georgia tech basketball, they only have one uh, commit right now in the class of 2023, but it is quite the commit blue cane out of Knoxville, Tennessee, currently playing at IMG Academy this season. He already had committed to Georgia tech, but he took that next step. That's very, very important with recruit of this caliber. He signed his national letter of intent, which means it's going to be very, very hard for him to get out of this. So tech, he is coming to Georgia tech next season. And that's a big deal. He's played at a few different kind of national camps, um, all-star games, and he's shown out consistently. He was named to an all-star team of one of those camps. Uh, it's kind of raised his profile a little bit. A lot of people are looking at him. He's got offers from places like South Carolina and Syracuse. So people were at least sniffing around on him. He's a three-level scorer. He'll be coming in. Him and Debo Coleman, watch out for them next season. They could be dynamite on the well, outside. 
Yeah, and Blue Cane, uh, there's a great article. Uh, give a shout out to Rod McKenzie uh, on GoJackets.com, 24/7 Sports, uh, where you know Blue was interviewed and talked about how excited he was to be part of the Georgia Tech program. Uh, Josh Pastner quoted as saying, you know, Blue's the type of student, the type of athlete, the type of uh, man of character that he wanted in his program. Uh, and he, you said he was at IMG Academy. He had been uh, at uh, uh, a AA school in Tennessee or a school in Knoxville, Tennessee, where he had led his team to the state uh, Division II AA state championship as a junior, averaging uh, 19 uh, points a game. And that tournament you were talking about, he was uh, one of 10 players named to the all-star team of the National Basketball Players Association, the NBPA event in Orlando, Florida, where 32 of the top 50 prospects for the 2023 class participated. And he was named one of the 10 all-stars. His team at that tournament uh, won the tournament. So there's for a lot to like about Blue Kane. This is a big pickup. For reference, he's he's ranked 97th by 24-7 in this class. So they might want to rethink that. You know, you didn't hear it from me, but they might be wrong on that one. Well, and, and it's also been stated. Uh, he also stated that one of the big things is he stayed in touch with Miles Kelly and Debo Coleman. So they're kind of forming, a, you know, Debo and, and Miles being sophomores next year. They'll be juniors when he comes in as a freshman. And it's been stated that he there might not be a lot of room for more picks. We do have five seniors on the team this year. Uh, but it's a pretty deep team. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see who gets added to this class. But this was the guy they went after. They got him. Uh, and and Josh is very excited uh, about that. And the rest of the staff. Is, so. As are we. As are Absolutely. we. Absolutely. Uh, is that it for your recruiting news? That's it for my recruiting news. Okay. You definitely kept it under 10 minutes. And I even added and jumped in to talk about Blue. So, uh, so mm. you're my boy, Blue. Mm. Uh, all right. So speaking of basketball, let's let's go ahead and uh, jump into that. And actually, uh, I wanted to start. We will talk about both basketball squads because the Lady Yellow Jackets, uh, Nell Fortner's squad, uh, has also played two games uh, this year. They have started out two and zero. They actually played Georgia State to open and defeated them. And they also uh, most recently played Kennesaw State, won sixty five thirty nine. So they have started uh, off 2-0. The, the Lady Yellow Jackets, which were a ranked team last year, made it to the NCAA tournament. Uh, they lost some senior leadership. So there's a little bit of kind of what do we have here. Obviously, Kennesaw State, not a massive, uh, not a you know top five, you know, not a top team. Yeah, uh, and one of the interesting there. things in, in ladies collegiate basketball, one of the interesting things is this reminds me of, of me, my age as an alum in the 80s, when when smaller schools would come and play on the men's side, you would you knew you were going to win by thirty or forty. It was a massive blowout, and it was because it wasn't the same resources. The, the, the players were not as coached up in high school as they are now. Not as many great athletes a, across the spectrum. So you'd play teams and easily beat them by thirty or forty. In women's college basketball, that is, I mean, for someone like a Kennesaw State to go in and beat an ACC team would have been should lead sports in it just yeah. doesn't happen there yeah, it, there are too many blo- huh? it's not that it shouldn't it doesn't happen like I'm right and it's no because and it's because the top players are so much farther if ahead you complain about the talent disparity in college football it's insane in women's basketball in college yeah, yeah absolutely so uh but a win is a win is a win now fortner squad yeah. is two and oh 
uh, 65-39. Cam Swartz uh, led the team in scoring with 14 points. Uh, she also, three of those were, uh, four of those were uh, three-pointers. Kayla Blackshear had 11 points and seven rebounds. And freshman Kara Dunn had 13 points, five rebounds, and three assists. Uh, they, uh, much like Passner squad, they uh, <clears throat> uh, held the team down, had great defense. I believe Kennesaw State did not score more than 10 points in any quarter. Uh, so, again, they won 65-39 uh, going to 2-0. and So, shout out to Nell Fortner squad. Uh, Joshua, the other uh, basketball team, Passner's uh, men's team, had a fantastic game against Georgia State uh, and won uh, to start the season 2-0. and They beat Georgia State uh, 59-57. Uh, christening the new Panthers uh, Georgia State Convocation Center 7,500-seat arena by having them lose in their first major test. That's how we do it over here at Techwood. So, yeah, Georgia Tech, 59-57 over Georgia State. Um, the best quote that I saw was when Josh Pastner was talking about it, and he said, listen, I know they did it for you know financial reasons, but if they keep doing this, I don't think my heart can take it. Yeah, he I said, I don't want to play them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> he listen, that Georgia State squad, well, they, were, they, were, they were scrapping tooth and nail. Um, biggest performers, uh, Debo Coleman continued his um, – I don't want to say continued, it's two games. But he led the team with 16 points. He did only shoot three of seven from the field, but he went nine of 13 from the line. So he was getting his nose in there, and he was getting his uh, free throws. Uh, the other big story coming out of the game, Miles Kelly off the bench with 15 points, six of 13 shooting, two of three from three. The biggest story – with the game on the line, tie game, clock winding down, they spread the floor for the young sophomore off the bench, and he got his ISO and got his layup, which to me, I mean, that's the biggest stamp of approval you can put on a kid in his second game of his sophomore year. You're just like, now nah, we're going to spread the floor for you. That's normally reserved for the, the, the junior or the senior. Sure. Well, um, so so a couple things. Um, uh, for those who uh, watched the game, this was an ESPN3 game. So not many of our listeners might have watched it. In fact, uh, one of our uh, one of our favorite listeners uh, t- texted, reached out to me and said, uh, hey, I didn't get to see the game and I can't even find highlights on YouTube. So I'm counting on you guys to paint me a good picture of the game. So I don't know how well I'll do that. Uh, it was a great game um, at the biggest lead. I think we had uh, we did pull away. Uh, we, we were up eight. We went up eight late in the game with like three minutes left. And then, of course, George State came storming back. Yeah. Uh, we we had a couple shots. We had Debo had a shot just not fall. Uh, we you know we we just had some shots not go down, and they kept getting some layups and getting some points in the paint and pulled it close. Uh, Jalen Moore got fouled late to uh, and and sunk those free throws, which were great. Uh, then we unfortunately gave up a three point play, uh, and that got the game tied with with under thirty seconds. And they called timeout. They put the ball in Miles Kelly hand, put him up to the top of the key, did a one-four set, and just said, go, young man, go get your shot. He did. Uh, State had three seconds left <clears throat> to try and tie the game or go or, or win it. Didn't even get a shot off. Our defense really closed that game down well at the, at the very end. We let him back in uh, in the last three minutes. But some, some things I noticed from the game. Um, the the team is the team is the is the star of the game. Uh, get get ready to see different players take final shots if we're close. 
Yeah. It might be Debo. It might be Davon. It might be uh, Sturdivant. It might be Miles Kelly. I think Josh is going to ride the hot hand. Um, I also think this game was very telling, as was the first game. Miles Kelly and Jalen Moore are the two keys. Those two sophomores, we know who Debo is, and we want Debo to take a step, and it looks like he is. He played 37 minutes. Um, He might be the the massive minutes guy. But this team, I think, will go as far as – you're going to get tired of me saying this. This team will go as far as two things. Number one, how well we play defense. A second team that we held under 60 points. And I, there were things I didn't like. Uh, again, they gave up some, some, some cheap baskets too easy. But the second thing is Jalen Moore and Miles Kelly are taking some steps. And if those steps can continue to improve, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. This team's got a chance to really improve and be a team that ACC teams don't want to play, don't look forward to playing. Yeah, you hear it here gonna first, be a, boys. Yeah, it's going to be first. a grind, no question about it. Um, I have to give one piece of not-so-good news. Uh, in the last game that we talked about, uh, Clayton State, they were tied going into halftime, and there was a story that Rodney Howard came into uh, halftime and said, hey, that's why everybody's picking us last in the ACC. We can't play like that. We know we're better than that. And so he kind of showed some senior leadership. Unfortunately, Rodney had the kind of game against Georgia State that we don't want to see again, Rodney. We we love you. We're cheering for you. But Rodney had four fouls, five turnovers. And if we if you watch the game, I, I swear it was just like Clayton State, except he never got better from there. I was like, catch the stinking ball. He had so many missed a layup. He it just he had no points. Uh, he was 0 for 1 from the field. Yeah. Uh, he did have three rebounds, so yay. And he did have three assists. So he And he never lost the ball at the top of the foul line, so that was good. But, Rodney, we need more out of you. So. Yeah, well, um, you could see his, the, his lack of kind of presence in the stat sheet as well because Georgia State had 14 offensive rebounds, which when I was watching it, I kept going, holy crap, we're playing such great defense, but they get second shots so often. Uh, But Tech did hold him to 36% shooting from the field, 14 from three. Um, But yeah, that's the thing to keep keep tabs on, Tech's offensive rebounding specifically because they really only have one guy over 6'8 that's going to play. And then uh, Tech only took eight threes this game, which I thought was interesting. Um, They might have been trying to take advantage of the fact that Georgia State wasn't too big, so you can kind of go at their chest a little bit more. Um, And it didn't really hurt them. They only had, uh, Georgia State only had two blocks, um, and they were called called for 26 fouls. So if that's kind of the identity, that's an interesting identity. Uh, It might change a little bit once you get to the ACC and you start running up against the Armando Bacots of uh, of the league. But, I mean, you know, the team is, I, I'm not I'm liking what I'm seeing. I, sure. I'm cautiously optimistic that this is going to be a middle of the road ACC team. And there's 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 room for plenty more. That's for sure. But it just depends on how we look against you know because Georgia State was decent, but I don't know how good Georgia State's even going to be in their own conference, let alone how good they would be in considering the ACC and whatnot. Right. Even though this team has five seniors, um, <clears throat> this is a relatively young team, uh, very inexperienced and. And Josh gets to show what kind of coach he is. Uh, and and the other interesting thing, so we're playing Northern Illinois. 
who is 0-2. Uh, that's our last kind of cupcake game, which yep. you don't really say cupcake under the Josh Passner era so far because it's been such a grind to build this program. But if they end up beating Northern Illinois, it will be the first time that a Josh Passner-led team will be 3-0. and and almost every year, except for last year and, and maybe uh, the second year uh, or the third year of Passner's tenure, I would argue every year the team gets better as the season goes on. If that trend can continue, and it looks like this can be the kind of team that can do that, again, I think our expectation is not 15th. I think our expectation is somewhere in the 8 to 10 uh, uh, you know, seven, eight, nine of the ACC. That should be my expectation. If we can improve, we can we be tough at home? Can we defend well? And can we win some games? And and then let's surprise us even higher than that. I think that, and I'm an optimist, and I think that's what I'm seeing for this team. So we'll see. Obviously, you know, but but avenged. You know, uh, we defeated Cumberland 222 to nothing because Cumberland had embarrassed our baseball team. So mm-hmm. the basketball team gets a chance to avenge the football, the embarrassing football loss against Northern uh, Illinois. Yeah, it wasn't as bad as the Cumberland thing, but um, yeah, that go, go boys, go, yeah, go, go, go get Jeff that Collins. win, go three and oh. And then you get a nice test against Utah to see how, you know, to see what you really are. So there you go. All right, enough basketball talk. I, I got I got on my soapbox a little. Uh, we're going to finish up with uh, one last little story here, and we'll revisit the coaching search. And Joshua, I believe you've got uh, a little update for us uh, without going into too much rumor and innuendo. Well, unfortunately, a lot of the story is kind of borderline rumor and innuendo. JB, Jay Bat is playing this very, very, very close to the vest. Um, not a lot is leaking out. I brought you last week that we know – Chadwell's at least expressed interest, and there's another guy that Bat really likes. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's not really much that we can go on. There was an article, or there's a running article kind of published by 24-7 Sports that has um, six names currently listed on it of people that uh, 24-7 thinks are candidates, either guys that they like, guys they might have heard something about. Um, whatever. So obviously the big one, Jamie Chadwell, Coastal Carolina. Um, the other five on there, a bit of a mishmash of various different things. So the other ones that are on there are uh, Del McGee, the running back, running back coach for, for UGA. Obviously normally on there for his ties to the Georgia high school ranks, um, how well respected he is as a coach because he was also a high school head coach. So he's got a lot of connections and um, everybody just kind of raves about him. Uh, the other guy, Bill O'Brien, uh, the offensive coordinator for Alabama. Yes, that's my guy. favorite. I One have a friend guys. who's an Alabama fan, and he is counting down the days until they can fire Bill Bill O'Brien. So, somebody who watches them every week, I'll just well, I'm, that information I'm just, out there. I'm just glad you know Alabama fans. They're so rational and level-headed. I, I certainly will listen to an. He's Alabama one of the more ones. I, I can tell yeah. you right now, he knows his football. Um, okay. The other three are uh, Charles Huff, the current head coach at Marshall, uh, Travis Williams, the defensive coordinator at UCF, and Bill Clark, the head coach at UAB. So obviously two former head coaches in there. Um, that's something that personally I think should be taken into consideration. Uh, you kind of want a guy that's done this before. Uh, we saw with Jeff Collins had done it before, but he hadn't necessarily had a big sort of uh, coaching tree, uh, but guys like Charles Huff uh, at Marshall currently nine and eight in his career. Went to his bowl game his first season. Um, he's had a, he's been pretty much everywhere. Never really stayed in one spot from longer than 
he really needed to. He stayed at Penn State for a few years as a running backs coach. Um, he was also the associate head coach at Alabama before Marshall. So similar to O'Brien, he's got the the Saban genes. Uh, Travis Williams, UCF, uh, comes from Auburn, uh, his alma mater. Uh, he's been in a few different places. Um, this is his first time really kind of having control of it. He was a Cody defensive coordinator at Auburn. Um, but the biggest thing that they kind of talk about is recruiting um, well-connected throughout the country, various different things. And then Bill Clark, um, been coaching since 1990 as a high school coach back then. So he's been coaching for a very, very long time. He did step down as the UAB coach in June 2022, citing back problems. So he's going to have to be medically cleared and medically ready to come back. But his college career record is 60 and 30. So, so uh, I saw one other name I'll just throw out there that I thought was intriguing. I think we might have mentioned it, but uh, it was it was brought up that Bronco Mendenhall, uh, former coach at UVA, might make some sense. Now, he stepped away, he kind of retired. So and again, let's be clear. Everybody's throwing darts at this point. And, oh, yeah. and let me tell you how close to the vest Jay bat is keeping this uh i have an inside i have an inside source uh who was at the tech miami game went down early saw the tech rally saw i mean just was there for the experience for senior day and said that he actually found himself now this guy's not a massive donor uh huge fan big supporter but he's not like in the in the inner circle he's not you know plunking yeah. down millions of dollars and he said he found himself standing next to jay bat and wow. like okay like shook his hand hey man congratulations he said he said jay bat was standing there nobody around him knew who he was <laughs> so he's so, even publicized yes so uh, he's enjoying his anonymity to this point i guess although you know how how People could name ADs, but how many of them could pick an AD out of a crowd? That's fair. Uh, I don't think I could have picked Stansberry out of a crowd. I don't care because he's not here anymore. But uh, so anyway, uh, and if you go, by the way, the other thing I thought, and I know Jay Bat is not necessarily behind this too much because he just got on the job. But if you go to RamblinRec.com, uh, they are running their Alexander Tharp, uh, you know, big, big uh, donor giving point. And I thought, oh. Bat comes on and two weeks later we got our big got our big giving. Boy, he's really pushing yeah. that fundraising. Hey, he was he was known for his, his fundraising in Alabama. So he's gotta he's gotta start sometime. Yeah, but I know he wasn't in his office for his first two weeks, like clicking away, creating a website. We're gonna put this up on ramblerec.com. No, obviously this is part of the program, and so just just good for him to do that. So uh so we will all be surprised when the coaching candidate is is hired, unless we won't. Uh, and we will probably have mentioned the name, and if we haven't, we'll all, you know, be dumbfounded, and we'll see if we give Bat the credit. Uh, if you want to have some scramble to do our research, yeah. If you want to have some fun as a tech fan, and we are not near as bad as some of the other, again, not very level-headed fans of other schools, but go to Bleacher Report or go to Bama fans calling for Nick Saban's job. Yeah, go to AJC.com. Go to Sports. Find the comment section. I saw. I saw one after the Miami fan, like fire everybody. Let's just, you know, phone in the last two games. And then they were like, we need to, we need to bring back Bobby Ross. And I was like, okay, first of all, yeah. Okay. He's still alive. God bless him. But isn't he like 80 years old? Bobby Ross doesn't want to coach. I was like, come on people. That's just, 
That's as to me. That's as bad as the Dion ones. I mean, I, I just well, let's hold on. Dion, uh, there are articles in the Athletic about people saying that his best fit is Georgia Tech. So there's some some smarter people than us who do this for a living. They they think that Dion coming to Tech is a possibility and would be a good choice. So oh, it'd be my, a good. I have no problem my, with it being a good choice. My party line on this is, I do not recall, and I would like my lawyer. Yeah, I think. I, I agree with what you said in one of our first shows. I think Dion wants to do something different, and he yeah. is. And so he's going to stay there and be king. If he leaves, we're a better job than Auburn. Because if he goes to Auburn, the donors are crazy. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, nothing like ending the show with speculation. I feel like we should, uh, uh, I feel like we should take the derivative uh, of this show before we exit. But that's, a, that's an alum joke right there. But I'm bumps. Close the uh, show. Yeah, that's a calculus joke. It's time to close the show. All right, close so the for the for the sports media guy and the fan, Joshua, I am the alum, uh, Stephen. We thank you for joining us. Uh, Joshua, tell everybody how they can get in touch with the show. Uh, you can just email me at joshuajulian26. Julian is spelled J-U-L-I-A-N. Uh, joshuajulian26 at outlook.com. Or if you're on Instagram and you feel more comfortable that way, my profile is joshuajulian46. Uh Obviously, names spelled the same way, just different numbers. One time I was a fan of Dan Ugla, then I was a Craig Kimbrell fan. It was a whole thing. And you and, got on me for doing derivatives, and you're talking about the, the genesis of your numbers? Yes, it's important. I've mentioned it a few times. Well, all the alum listening are like, yeah, but none of them are prime numbers. All right, so enough math jokes and enough number jokes. Uh, for those of you listening, uh, we hope that you tell another Georgia Tech fan, another Georgia Tech alum. We have a little bit of fun. We also cover news. The news was the main story, so we did it the entire time. We like this period of the year. It's where it's active with a ton of news. So for Joshua, I am Stephen. We will finish the show by asking you the most important question we can ask you on this show. Hey, what's the good word? 